When some of us were little children, maybe around Halloween, we learned this song that was about bones. It was meant to make us laugh at something kind of scary, like skeletons are scary. The toe bones connected to the foot bone, the foot bones connected to the ankle bone, the ankle bones connected to the leg bone, and hear the word of the Lord. We wouldn't have known then that that song was a spiritual written by James Weldon Johnson, recorded first by the Myers Jubilee Singers in 1928, and that it was based on the text that you heard read today, so beautifully by our middle family. This incredible vision that Ezekiel has of a valley full of dry bones and the way God gives new life to that. Now, Ezekiel was a, a priest uh, in Jerusalem, and when his people were defeated in battle by the Assyrian Empire, uh, two years of battle over and over again being um, ravaged and having temples burnt down and finally defeated and captured and actually taken captive to Babylon. Ezekiel was one of the folks that went. He was one of the priests or the artisans or the architects that went. His some family was probably left in Jerusalem. Some of his um, poor cousins were left in Jerusalem because the Babylonians took the brightest and the best with them. And sometime in this captivity, Ezekiel has a couple of different visions. One where uh, he sees God on a big chariot. And there's a spiritual that says, Ezekiel saw the wheel way up in the middle of the air, way up in the middle of the air. That's about that particular vision. But here, here is this vision where God takes Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones. Now, it's a dream or it's a vision, but, it, but Ezekiel would have known about dry bones because in this time of war, in this time of defeat, the Assyrians would have left soldiers just laying in the valley, allowing the carrion, the birds, to come and pick their bones and just leave them there. Here, Ezekiel sees a valley of, of bones, a valley of dry bones, a valley of death. And he who is a priest is led to walk among the bones, which means he's led to walk among uncleanness. And there he is. And God says to him, can these bones live? Ezekiel is smart enough to know he doesn't know, but God must know. He says, God, you know, you tell me. And Ezekiel is told to prophesy to the, to the bones, to speak to the bones, to speak prophetically to the bones, to speak futuristically to the bones, and tell them that they are going to get up and they're going to have sinew and they're going to have muscle. And sure enough, there's a rattling and a cacophony and the bones snap back together. And this deadness rises up. But still, those multitudes have no life. Pause right here. I do not understand zombie movies. I don't like zombie movies. I don't understand zombie television shows, but lots of us do, and this is what this is like. It's like the living dead, right? They're, they're up, they're moving, but they really don't have life. So God tells Ezekiel, now, now prophesy to the breath. Tell the breath, speak prophetically to the breath and tell it to come from the four corners of the earth and to fill these bones that they might live. And just like God does at creation, in this moment, God's spirit, God's breath, enters into these bones and they live. This multitude is no longer dead, it is alive. The word for spirit in this text and in every place in the Bible, in the Hebrew, it's ruach, in the Greek, it's pneuma, but in both cases, Ruach and Numa mean both wind and breath and life. 
So in the book of Genesis, when it says a spirit of God hovered over the deep, it's the breath of God hovered over the deep. When God breathes into the Adam, the human one, and gives that person the breath of life, that's God's breath, God's spirit. This is a beautiful sense of the power of God's spirit to bring life into the world and to reanimate what is dead. And what's that got to do with us right now? Well, we are surrounded by death. The numbers of cases of coronavirus in this nation, the number of cases of coronavirus around the globe, the number of dead bodies, dead people in the United States and in New York, and maybe in the town where you live, is shocking and frightening. And it causes us to pause and it makes us afraid. It makes us grieve. We grieve that we are stuck in our houses. We grieve that we cannot um, enjoy life the way we used to. We grieve loss of job, loss of income. We grieve loss of certainty. And some of us are grieving loss of people we love. Uh, I got a beautiful note from a lovely woman in Paris who lost her grandfather, Coralie, the closest person in her family, she said. And when she wrote, she said she'd been crying from nine o'clock in the morning, it was one o'clock in the afternoon, weeping because this virus took her grandfather away. One of my dear friend's husband is in the hospital and though the diagnosis seems to be pneumonia, it's possible that he has COVID and she's terrified and she doesn't want us to worry, but, but she feels lonely and afraid. This morning, I got a call from one of my congregants whose, whose partner died, whose spouse died but almost a year ago. And she's isolated and anxious and deeply lonesome in this time. This virus is affecting each of us. This epidemic, this pandemic is affecting each of us in ways that we can't even be sure about. I've got a two-year-old toddler living in my life and though there is space for her to play and run, still she feels the energy from her parents and from her Nana and her Pop-Pop because it's palpable. What's this got to do with us? In the midst of death, Ezekiel's prophecy, his future speech comes to remind us that in the dead places, God's spirit can live. God's spirit can bring life to us. God's breath can enliven us. And I haven't seen any visions of dead bones and I'm not sure you're gonna see that either. But I'm talking about in real precious and palpable ways, we can prophesy to each other. We can speak life to each other. We can echo the, the words of um, Fantine and Les Miserables, you will live. Papa, you're going to live. We can live. We, human species, can live our lives fully. And we can remind each other. We can prophesy to the breath, to the spirit. We can prophesy and say to one another, yes, these dry bones can live. So how, you might say. Well, I'm watching faith leaders all around the country of every religion speak into this vacuum, into this deadness, calling upon the president 
and the cabinet and the administration to change what was going to be a top-down stimulus package to be a workers up redemption package around COVID. That's, that's prophesying to the, to the deadness to say you will live because we're gonna change the way we do policy. I'm looking at podcasts and, um, and videos of clergy and artists speaking into the life of this nation and saying we will live you know, DC nice making a dance party so we can remember that we are alive and we will live. I'm watching young people encourage one another and remind each other of what's out there in the world. Unemployment to be had, places where one can get a loan, words of encouragement to say, you can do this, you can make it. We're speaking life into the world and reminding ourselves that we can live. I, I got, I got a phone call from a, from a grieving friend worried about her spouse. I got a, a note from a, a girl whose, whose grandfather died. But I also got prophesied to today by my aunt, my Aunt Lois. My Aunt Lois, who lives around the corner from my mom and dad's house in Chicago. My Aunt Lois, who is my best friend Roseanne's mama, who I just love so much. Hanging out in the basement, listening to jazz with her as a young girl watching her just be this fierce, amazing, beautiful, badass black woman, raising kids with humor and, and sternness, watching her survive the death of two husbands, my Aunt Lois did. I'm just enamored with her. And, and, and today, I didn't think about calling her to give her a word of encouragement. She thought about calling me, me, this pastor, with all these spiritual resources. And when I heard her voice, filled me with such nostalgia for dancing in the basement and playing cards and reminded me of the fast, furious friendship that she and my mom made together and all the days that they went shopping and did shopping therapy and all the times that they had lunch and all the ways that they loved each other. Today, she prophesied to me, reminding me that she loved me, reminding me that there are ancestors and beloved ones surrounding us, a great cloud of witness. It was her turn to tell me, Jackie, you will live. So wherever you are, as you listen to this homily, whatever is your circumstance, whoever you're around, know that you have the power, you have the power to speak life into the world, to encourage your friends and your family to remind them that they're loved by a holy other that is too great to imagine, and most especially by you who are in the flesh. Ezekiel was a priest, and then he was a prophet, but he was also a man taken from his homeland, taken from his country, a grieving man, a hurting man, who was able to speak powerfully to these bones. God chose to use Ezekiel to tell the truth to these bones, God chooses to use us, ordinary people, to speak truth to the bones, to the deadness. You who are not a, a pastor, you who are not a therapist, you who are not a priest, you are a human being. You are a person whose voice matters, a person with a sphere of influence who needs to know what you have to say. In our tradition, we believe in what we call the priesthood of all believers. So if you believe in God, priest. If you believe in love, priest. 
come on with your beautiful self. Come on with your hope and dreams. Come on with your sorrow and speak truth and love into the world from your heart to the hearts of others, your own way, in your own circle. Tell these dry bones, oh yes, we can live. Tell the breath, tell the spirit to visit the people you love and fill them with hope. May it be so. Amen.